Zig, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and yeah, it's been a week for theme park fans. Things are tricky in the theme park sector. It has been a really weird, troublesome, strange, and sometimes challenging time to be a Disney fan this past week, with the Magic Kingdom parade from a visiting school band, with the don't say gay and the back and forth with the corporate statements and the internal statements and the corporate internal statements, and it's been a lot. Never in covering this beat have I seen so many news stories about executives at the company, let alone everything else happening. And it's pretty wild. Even if I haven't even been able to read some of those stories because I just spent all of Friday on Twitter just feeling feelings with other people feeling feelings, you know? So I just wanted to mention up top that if you're feeling feelings about everything, I'm feeling those feelings too. And it's okay. And it's challenging. But we're in this together and hopefully things will only get better from here. It's really something I didn't grasp until I was inside the Disney community, that Disney fans really specifically hold so much ownership over these places we all visit. I've gotten asked a lot of questions in the past week and month, to be honest, from people who know of no Disney, know the vibe, but aren't really in this circle. And what I try to explain to them is that it's, I mean, it's so hard and strange to grasp from the outside, but these theme parks, specifically Disney theme parks, are not public land, even if they feel that way. I mean, these are privatized, corporate-run theme parks, but yet you and I both feel this sense of ownership over it. I mean, we have our favorite ways to walk through them, our routine of what we do and what we eat, and as you'll hear later, even our preferred bathrooms. It's unbelievably unique when you layer all of these types of society over a corporate-owned entity, and when something happens that fans don't agree with in the company that lives on in the park, they say it, and they say it loudly, as do I, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. Now, I cover a lot of this more on social media, really, but since we haven't quite talked about it too much on the podcast, I just wanted to touch base and say, yeah, it's it's wild what's going on. And if you feel bad about it, and if you have some feelings, it's okay, because I have them too. And it's a little tricky to love a place and also disagree with some things that are happening there. And I'm right there with you, and I support you, and it's all good. Now, usually I start the podcast by talking about my week, but I'll be honest, I am unable to recall what happened prior to prepping for my best friend's baby shower, which went swimmingly, by the way. It was wonderful. But I can't tell you what happened before around Saturday afternoon. So I just wanted to, at the top, just drop a few little housekeepy things in here. First up, uh, I went on Podcast The Ride last week, another podcast by three good boys who are very, very funny, to discuss the former Armageddon attraction at Disneyland Paris. It was a blast. I basically got to gab with them for about two hours, which was the highlight of my week. I guess I do kind of remember that because it was last week. But I wanted to bring it up because we got a call about it recently, so I wanted to let you know that that call has officially been answered vis-a-vis this podcast episode. I highly recommend checking it out, which is my fifth appearance on their podcast? Oh my gosh. Um, But while you're at it, I also want to flag that their podcast is not safe for kids in the room or in the car, I believe. So be sure to listen with headphones or just during a long drive to nowhere because you need a break, which I relate to. Second of all, I am recording this a few days early, so I'm sure it'll be confirmed widely and likely screamed on my profiles, but apparently Werther's Caramel Popcorn, my favorite Epcot treat, is being sold at Big Top Souvenirs in Magic Kingdom? What? 
thank you, Nowsy, for the tip, but wow, 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 wow. This is gonna this is gonna be a problem. This is gonna be a problem for me personally because I I save like my I have like my sweet stuff at Epcot and I have my savory stuff at Magic Kingdom. I get regular popcorn at Magic Kingdom, I get caramel popcorn at Epcot. Never the two have mixed, especially with these kooky park hopping hours that nobody likes. But once I can get caramel popcorn at Magic Kingdom, oh my god, I'm gonna have to rethink all of my planning. It's too much. It's too much. And third, last but not least, a very special thank you to Mark Hassan, Hussein, Husson. I'm sorry, I'm botching your name, for answering the call on my <laughs> intro-length neuroses from last week and telling me that you like the beginning of the show as is. So thank you, Mark. And because no one else mentioned anything, your word is now my truth. And I will proceed with a lengthy introduction segment as I have for years now. <laughs> All right. Uh, but anyway, enough of that. Because this week we are talking about this podcast. Oh yeah, it's real meta. It's like The Matrix, but with better clothing, which you will find out about soon. It's going to be great. Stick around. We'll be right back. By the end of this episode, you will be better dressed than ever. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're up here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym. It's like, it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their Ultraform bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com.
Welcome back. I know, this whole thing is bonkers. A whole episode on merchandise? Who are we, QVC for your ears? But it was important to me to carve out a little time to tell you how we got here, who made this dream possible, and what exactly we're going to be creating. Most podcasts I listen to, which I'm sure you've also experienced, just have a random company make garments or use a similar print-on-demand website. It's easy, it's convenient, and I was enticed to go that route too, but course-corrected when the website that originally reached out to partner with me was, a trigger warning, this gets dark, low-key selling Nazi propaganda garments. (laughs) Not a joke. This is literally how it went down. Once I saw that, I emailed them and said I couldn't work with a company who had such little grasp on artists submitted, using that term lightly, designs that hateful merchandise can just pop up on their website all the time. So I walked and knew absolutely nothing about making merchandise or how to get a design or what to print on. But after a long journey, we finally made it and the web store is about to open. That journey is only possible because of Andrew Ortiz of Super Yaki. You may recognize the name. We share a similar internet audience, but there are still plenty of theme park fans who aren't aware of this glorious bounty of garments that my favorite brand creates. They're all about movie-going, positivity, and rooting for the underdog, something we'll discuss more in our conversation later in this episode. You might also remember those Kite Tales t-shirts we made about being a fan of the greatest show on earth. That was, naturally, a collaboration with Super Yaki, one of many you might see in the future. But this very amusing merch is being handled, shipped, stocked, and sent by the good folks at Andrew's company, Super Yaki, who will be doing all of my podcast merchandise fulfillment. And I couldn't be happier to work with one of the best in the game at it. Andrew also introduced me to this company called Night Owls, who are printing everything that will be available in our store and are truly heaven to work with. Launching very amusing merchandise is happening later than I anticipated, uh, much later, simply because I am so new at this. But the only reason it even exists in the first place is because of the hard work and helpful advice from people whose names you'll soon know, who lovingly made each and every one of these garments and will ship them off directly to your happy home. And the whole process fills me with such glee to be working with two Texas-based American businesses run by cool cats is absolutely thrilling. But before we chat with Andrew, we're going podcast shopping. Yes, I'm about to walk you through each and every item we'll have and how we ended up creating them. Here's what merchandise will be available when we launch this Thursday, March 24th, which is tomorrow if you're listening to this when it comes out. So at launch, we're going to have four different apparel designs, two hat designs, and a bunch of different styles and colorways among them. And most importantly, nothing will sell out. Yes, we have limited stock in-store on apparel and wider stock on hats when they arrive in the next week or two, but anything that you want, I can get. If we're sold out of smalls or larges or 3XLs, pre-order it now. I'll place the order next week, and yours is guaranteed in that restock. We'll be accepting these guaranteed pre-orders for one week until Thursday, March 31st. I will naturally be ordering extra of everything to stock the store yet again, but after that, we will proceed as a normal shop. Stuff out of stock may or may not come back or might change design or might be printed on something else, and we will also be introducing new items, non 
podcast merch items, which I think you're going to flip for, but that's further down the road. I digress. But for our first week, anything you want can be ordered. No problem. There's no selling out. There's no stressing about logging on right at 8 a.m. You're good. I may take a bit to be printed and sent out naturally, but since we've done one run of everything previously, it's going to be pretty seamless. I officially feel like a human version of the Scholastic Book Fair, but yeah, it's kind of like that. I just want to get into discussing what we're going to be selling because I am so excited. My goal in all of this was to create apparel that felt like actual clothing. I didn't want to just slap my podcast logo on a shirt and move along because it's not something I would really want to wear. And I don't want to sell you something that I wouldn't wear. So it took months and months and months and months and months to get to a place where I finally felt ready to kind of essentially launch a tiny fashion business, which really is what it is. I was not expecting to take this journey. I was not expecting to learn this much about creating garments. This is not the career path I thought I was on. But boy, do I know a lot about printing and process now. And I'm so grateful to be producing items that I fully stand behind that are made the right way, as I said, by cool people running cool companies right here in America. So these designs, they're fun, but their purpose is subtle, intended to just look like colorful, cool clothes, unless you know what it stands for or a curious person asks you. Three out of four of our main apparel designs were created by Joshua Bailey, who knocked it out of the park. The first is our Churros Hotline design. This looks like an oldie time detective agency ad that says, for a good time, call 747 Churros. And if you look really, really close, you can see a tiny little copyright under the Churros logo, but it's fake. It says MMXXI, very amusing, which is such a genius touch. The slogan, of course, is my favorite. Solving your mini mysteries seven days a week, as is the hand-drawn graphic of a churro in wrapping. I printed these on this really high-quality butter yellow sweatshirt, which are individually dyed to give it this garment-like heft and appeal. Apparently, kids are very into this style of sweatshirts lately, but they do run long. So I want to flag that I will be breaking down all of the fits of all of these on my Instagram on Wednesday to show you what it looks like on me. We also printed this design on t-shirts because Florida and California, you get it. The next one is our band tee. Instead of creating a podcast logo shirt, ick, I wanted to hide it inside a design that looks like true merch, concert merch, band merch, and Joshua nailed this one. Our band tee, which currently only comes in adult t-shirt size, feels like a dose of Leonard Skinner or Def Leppard while also repping a podcast that loudly condemns most blue foods. Best of both worlds. It's hard to choose a favorite, but I have one, and it is our Jazzercise print. This little doozy, inspired by vintage typefaces, features an ombre font that melts from red into yellow, and it's beautiful. Printing like this could not be possible without Night Owl's print shop based in Houston, Texas, who Andrew from Super Yaki referred me to, and I am so grateful for. They have killed it on these print jobs and everything is just so beautifully made. It even has a bit of early Epcot vibes to it, which naturally I'm all about. Now the word cropped might freak some people out, but I assure you it's so legit. If a cropped sweatshirt brings you back to the 80s, don't sweat it literally or figuratively. The cropped t-shirt is actually a really good length, even on me who I think I have a longer torso or just like an average 
leaning long torso, and I really dig it tucked in in the top of high-waisted jeans. It's also the comfiest shirt I've ever tried on, ever, ever, ever. I might have to order solid ones just so that people don't think I'm trying to make myself a podcast billboard each day. I just really love all of it, from the shirt to the design to everything. Oh, and the kicker, there's a cursive little, always a friendly hello at the bottom. Ah, it's perfect. And last but not least, we have our retro logo tee. This one was designed by Cutter LeKind, a designer and friend of mine who made this very cool jumbled letter style that was brought to its full glory when Andrew tipped me off to the fact that night owls can print puffy font. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This one is puffy. Puffy. We have a t-shirt, which is printed on this t-shirt that if you're familiar with Super Yaki's clothing, you've definitely worn before. And a sweatshirt, which also has the puffy letters, printed on a more basic white garment made by Gildan. I think that's how you say that. You know, the, the t-shirt company, the famous t-shirt company, Gildan, Gildan, Gildan. I think it's Gild, Gildan, Gildan. Let's just say that. Oh, I bet it's formed by two people named Gil and Dan. Huh. I'll look it up one day. Anyway, I tried really hard to be cognizant of pricing since doing everything the right way, quote unquote, with small businesses and all in America is definitely pricier than quick printing things on demand or shipping them in from overseas. So hopefully this provides a lower cost alternative, this one white sweatshirt for anyone looking for a long sleeved garment with puffy letters. Oh my God, I can't wait. We also have two hats in three styles. We have very amusing logo caps in white and in this beautiful butter yellow. It's the only thing we're making at this time that has the actual podcast logo on it, and the embroidery is perfect, so I'm immensely excited about it. And second, we have Shrek-sember beanies! Woo! I tried very desperately to get these done for December and almost squeaked it out, but I could not get my stuff together in time. It is Wholly my fault. <laughs> However, these are perfect year round if you have a cold head or if you just want to sock it away for Shrek Ember 2022. Just have it on hand. No problem at all. I plan on wearing mine all the time anyway, so you can join me in that. We will also be stocking these dead stock ET earrings I found maybe two years ago at this point that I bought in bulk that are so good. They're these vintage earrings, they're in original packaging. All of it is perfection. If you want to toss something extra in your cart, give a gift to a friend those are where to go. It's a joy, and I'm so happy to be working on it with such great people. People like Andrew Ortiz of Super Yaki. I am such a fan of everything this company does, and I know I'm not alone in it. You've probably seen their clothing around town or their infamous bumper sticker about the mummy, which I have next to me and will read to you and recite it like a poem. Honk if you'd rather be watching the 1999 cinematic masterpiece The Mummy starring Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz. Oh, I cannot wait to slap that on my car. And all of this, all of these wonderful items, all that movie fandom are the brainchild of Andrew and his team. I wanted to bring him on the podcast to chat about his company's origins, his passion, and why Judy Greer is so important to him. So please enjoy this very special chat with the Garment King, the titan of industry, Andrew Ortiz. Andrew, welcome to Very Amusing. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. I just, I really just want to talk to you about your incredible brand, which I love so much. I'm such a fan. It is uh, a blessing to be in, in business with you in garment business. And I would love to chat about kind of how all of this started, because I don't even know, even though we're friends. It's a question that gets asked uh, pretty often, and I wish I had a better answer other than 
you know, I just wanted to do this, right? Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, it, it was sort of, um, I knew um, at that point in my life that, like, I, I didn't want to work for someone else for my entire life. Um, I guess it's like the stubborn kid inside of me who just, like, really had a, a clear vision of, like, what I want out of my life. And um, not really knowing what that was going to be, I just knew it didn't, wasn't going to be working for someone else, right? I figured if I was going to, like, work 24-7 and bust my butt, it was going to be for, like, my own dreams, right? And, um, you know, I, I, I had a full-time job for the longest time, uh, when I first started this, uh, you know, little side gig, it was, um, you know, just an interest in movies that sort of sparked all of this. And, um, you know, I, we started with a single pin and we went from there and for like, I think the first four years, all of this sort of operated outside of like, you know, the, the closet or the spare uh, guest bedroom or the laundry room, wherever we could, you know, find space for, for all this stuff and, uh, sort of grew over time. Collectively, we expanded, we brought more people on board. Um, I made this like a full-time gig about two years ago. Um, maybe even less than that, but like, yeah, now it's like a fully fleshed out formed company, you know, that has five people employed, you know, 24 so we're not 24 7 but you know a full-time you know work schedule and uh now we do this you know as our living and it's pretty scary but also pretty exhilarating to see that we you know we've, we've come this far it's so interesting to me because being a fan of movies is you wouldn't think it's a niche and yet it really is like the space that super yaki the company has carved out is this very specific movie fandom that people including myself just can't get enough of I'm glad that we found our niche. You know, a lot of people ask us, like, you know, like, what what do you do that, you know, works so well? I don't know. I think we just keep doubling down on the stuff that we are earnestly interested in that we might not feel gets, you know, the kind of, um, you know, love and adoration that you typically would see, you know, uh, in either merchandising or just, you know, in the community, right? Um, and and I, I, I sort of um, come back to this pretty frequently and, and ask, like, who are we? What do we do? Like, what is our what is our niche? What is our genre? And I don't think we have any specific you know boundaries that we limit ourselves to. But I know that we just try our best to focus on you know the the underdogs or the underworlded you know um, uh, classics or whatever, right? Even the stuff that like a lot of people might have questions about you know uh, as far as popularity goes, because there's been plenty of times where we you know launch a collection and we ask, is there really an audience for this, right? Like Brendan Fraser hasn't made a movie quite a few years, you know, that was mainstream. Is, is there a, a justification for a full Brendan Fraser collection? And I'm just overwhelmingly happy to say that there was an audience for that. And, you know, it really went super well for us. And I think that's our, you know, our consistent uh, um, niche right there is just find the stuff that we feel, you know, earnestly passionate about and not some quick cash grab because we know it's going to sell well or anything. Totally. It's it, there's such a positivity that comes from everything that you sell where it just feels it feels like everyone is participating in a little parade for for talent that may not get as much applause as they deserve. Yeah, no, and I think that's where like that's where I feel like our like vibes are pretty similar in that, you know, I think as as a longtime Parks fan, you know, and and you you cross this threshold where you go from a casual like parks, you know, observer to like a uh, like someone who's really invested into you know the updates, and everyone you know on that path comes across like I think you at some point, right? Oh and my what god, you're that's doing, very and, kind of you. And, and listen, and I mean that is in 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 the kindest words possible, right? Because I think what what you've established is like a, this really great community, of people who you know really enjoy their time at the parks. 
you know, they're not blind to, you know, the, the criticisms that you could have about, you know, how some of the stuff is handled or, or, you know, the path that it's going on. But through it all, you have this really welcoming and vibrant community of people who just really love to be a part of that. And I think that's what we sort of want to fill in like the movie world, right? Is the conversation around movies, you know, and films uh, can be, you know, kind of heavy sometimes and, and, you know, can be rife with, you know, gatekeeping or, or a lot of, uh, um, you know, stalwarts who, who will dictate, you know, what is or isn't accepted as, you know, a classic film or whatever. And I think all we're trying to do is just have like a fun place to have a conversation about this stuff, celebrate the stuff that we love, uh, and then try and be as, you know, as welcoming and inclusive as possible, which I think is something that you've really mastered. And, and I definitely take nod up to a lot of what you've done with your community and, and how exciting it is. Oh my God. Thank you so much. It, I mean, truly it's an honor to even know you. I feel like I won some weird lottery. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool how many like paths we've crossed, you know, like, uh, while, while running this, this like little side business and, you know, we always try and like work with people that we feel that, that special kindred spirit with, right? Like people who feel like they're on the same vibe, no matter like what community you're part of, like we want to be involved because when you're passionate about something, like that really shows in what you do. And it, it absolutely makes, you know, uh, the journey a lot more fun because you're, you know, collaborating with people who, you know, are really excited about what they do. And that's what we're trying to do, you know? So I am like super grateful that our paths cross and that, you know, we're in the same, you know, uh, uh, world to some sense and that we get to like, you know, do fun stuff together. And, uh, and I hope, you know, it keeps going. I know me too. I, I hope people like the shirts. <laughs> yeah, I hope um, so too. <laughs> well, because you had input, they are going to be great. Um, to go back to kind of what you were saying about what what is super yaki, I think one of the things that I always think about in terms of your brand are the Kelly Marie Tran shirts that you did, which were basically just encouraging people to be nicer to her, which is kind of the direct opposite of what the Star Wars internet fan community usually is. But for you, is there one thing you've produced where you're like, this is it, this is what we do, and like this is what I'm happy with? Yeah, I mean, I, I like to think that there there are fibers of that in everything that we do, right? Like every everything that that we've made, you know, for better or worse, does have um, some basis in like you know how I sort of see you know movies and and in large you know the world, I guess, right? Not to get too grandiose or whatever, right? Um, but I think you know the, the one thing that uh, the one design or shirt that I think you know really defines us, at least the way I see it, is um, uh, our Judy Greer should have been the lead shirts. And I, I always come back to that one because, you know, for, for multiple reasons. One, because at that point in our time when we first released it, um, we were sort of on this like breaking point where sales had sort of like slowed and, you know, we were kind of, you know, we didn't know wh what direction we're going to move in next. And, and it really could have been the very end of us, right, as, as, as a company. Uh, and that was maybe like three years in, right? And we didn't really know what we were doing anymore. We didn't have a cohesive plan. Um, and I figured if we're, if we're going to go out, like if this is it, like, let's, I want to make a shirt or I want to make something that I would want to wear that I would feel excited about. And even if this doesn't sell. So I think we did a run of like 50 of those shirts and, you know, it didn't really like, it didn't really hit right away. And I figured, okay, well, that was fun. We, I have a shirt out of this, right? Like I can't complain. Um, but slowly and surely it's sort of like, you know, built a little bit of an audience and we found the right people, which ended up being our people, our audience and our community and people that we wanted to hang out with. And it sort of felt like that one uh, example is a microcosm of like what we're trying to do, right? Which is, you know, celebrating the works of, 
you know, Judy Greer, who in my eyes is just like top notch, right? Just fantastic actor, uh, constantly relegated to second tier or the best friend or, you know, the nemesis, you know, and we just wanted to make something fun and celebration of, of her performances. And that felt like, you know, a fun thing to do. And I'm happy to say that, like, not only did that find an audience and that it take off, but it also found its way to Judy Greer herself, like multiple times. And so every time, like, there's some acknowledgement that she, you know, has seen the shirt or, or, you know, enjoys it, you know, I just get butterflies in my stomach. And I think it's so cool that like, we, 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 like, to me, it's like, oh yeah, we made it. This is it, right? This is the top of the mountain right there. So I guess that's the one. It's so magical that you're out here supporting people who deserve it. And then they finally get it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And and you 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 talked about the Kelly Murray trans shirts a second ago. And, you know, sure enough, those found their way to her as well. And, and she was really excited about it. You know, and everything we do, you know, is again, I can't reiterate how, you know, disingenuous it would feel if we weren't earnest about these, you know, sentiments or these campaigns, these, you know, these fake little, you know, messages that that we like to like, harp on, right? Um, but it means a lot when the people that we're celebrating, you know, find out about it and they understand like, oh, these aren't just some kids trying to make like a quick couple bucks off of this. Like these are people who sort of actually, you know, feel this way about these things. So, yeah. Oh, my God. I just love it so much uh, because you are on Very Amusing. I have to ask you, are are there any from the Super Yaki perspective? Are there any things about Disney or Universal theme parks where you are like that deserves more positive attention? We should be applauding this more. Yeah, I mean. You and I have talked about this a lot, but I think that the 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 pre-shows and the the post-show like uh, uh, videos that they play on a lot of these it's rides, art form. <laughs> it's an art form, but yeah, and and it's just there's so much that goes into them, and there's I feel like they're they're constantly sort of overlook it yeah, in lieu of the ride itself. Um, but I really enjoy just how immersive like a, a queue can be, or how exciting like watching little clips can be, even though you see them over and over and over again, like. There's just something about them that like really cements in your head, like, oh, I am in this really immersive, you know, you know, uh, crazy world. Um, but, you know, we we actually were just at Universal uh, Los Angeles or Hollywood the other day. And um, I lament to say that I missed the opportunity to get on the Secret Life of Pets ride, even though I'd gone on it once before. I was really looking forward to it. So I'd like to see more love for that one because that's uh, that's kind of a great ride. I agree. I think they did a wonderful job. I mean, it opened in the pandemic, so I think it was a little like, rah, rah, we love it, but also we don't know how we feel about going here right now. Uh, But that park desperately needs dark rides, and they added one, and I think it's great, and I I also love it. Yeah, I mean, I love the source. I I love, uh, um, like, just how um, immersive it feels and how it combines a lot of, like, you know, physical and, you know, virtual elements, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I love going to the parts. I, I don't have the extent of knowledge that, that a lot of other people have. So I'm just there as like a kid, you know, with big eyes, just enjoying everything. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to I'd love to focus more on on rides in general, because for a while back, we, we tried doing an ongoing series, you know, where we highlighted some of, you know, the, the rides at the park. Um, and our social media strategist and, and director, uh, Brittany Tuttle, who the know, best. We love Brittany. Boss, yeah, she comes from a theme park background. So She's well-versed in all of these things, and I can't sing your praises enough, but um, I know that that's something that we sort of, you know, kept on the back burner that we would like to spend more, you know, time and energy on. So hopefully, you know, we can we can do that again in the future. Oh, I can't wait. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate this, and I, I can't wait to be in good merch business with you. 
Yeah, I'm so excited. Everything you've made looks so good. It's so exciting to see it come to fruition. I can't wait for people to like actually get their hands on it because we've been staring at it and it's just <laughs> so exciting. I'm so sorry that it's been in your warehouse for so long. <laughs> oh no, it's, it's barely taking up any space. It, it's more than okay. Uh, we're, we're just excited to like to see people because the quality, you know, is just fantastic stuff. And I'm glad that that you know you, you trusted us to help you throughout the process. Uh, and anything we can do to to help, you know, out. We're here, right? We're, 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 we're collaborative partners for as long as we can. Oh my God. Without you, I would be like ironing on transfers being like, I don't know, is this merch? So I, I am, I will never not be appreciative of all of your help. It's a scary business, but I, I I love doing it. I love talking shop. Oh, you just kill it all the time. I'm so happy we could have Andrew on the show. So as a last minute reminder, if you are interested in buying very amusing merch, be sure to hit the website this Thursday, March 24th and place your orders within the next week so that you don't miss out. And if you're listening to this later, hop on by the website. Who knows what stuff we have on there right now? Magical stuff. If you're listening to this in the future, I hope the very aggressive sweatshirt that I'm trying to get made is actually going to come through. Fingers crossed. Stay tuned. You're going to love it. Carly, uh, my name is Megan. I'm a Southern California local. And my question to you is whether or not you have a favorite resort um, restroom. In this week's episode, you were talking with your guest, Kristen, about your favorite resort restaurants. And it got me to thinking about whether or not you have some favorite restrooms. Um, my friend and I are very serious about our Disneyland restroom or Disneyland Disney World restrooms. We have a whole text thread. We, like, every time we go into a new bathroom, we send a picture, we send a rating. There's, like, all this different criteria. Uh, I think her favorite in Disney World is the one near Pirates of the Caribbean. I believe hers in Disneyland is also Lamplight Lounge. She's more of, like, the Florida local. Um, I'm obviously the Disneyland local, so my favorite in Disneyland is probably the one in Galaxy's Edge. I say the one that's closer to the resistance side, though. And then I've only been to Disney World twice, once when I was really inspecting the bathrooms. And I have to say my favorite uh, was in Animal Kingdom, right between Dinoland USA and Asia, like tucked behind the kind of kite tails viewing area. There's a nice little bathroom back there. Anyways, we love your podcast so much, so we would love to hear what your favorite bathrooms are. Anyways, thank you for being such a like bright source of inspiration and light and love in this world. And we hope to hear your answer to a question soon. Okay, bye. Okay, now this, this is the kind of call I, I dream of. So thank you for virtually including me in your bathroom text thread, which by the way, I am so jealous of. What a true living version of finding your people. Wow, obsessed with all of it. Partially wondering if 747 churros can be put on the thread. Just kidding. I don't think Google Voice can support that, which is what I use. But uh, either way, I love it and I wish I was part of it. Now, I took some time to think long and hard about this predicament. And I have gathered my personal power rankings of bathrooms from coast to coast at Disney parks. But 
before we get into it, I do want to agree that Galaxy's Edge bathrooms on both coasts are great. I love that you can hear the in-world radio and music in there. I like the way the sinks are set up. It's tight. Big fan. Very into it. But I personally prefer the Black Spire outpost side myself, closer to where Kylo Ren appears, than the Resistance side, which you mentioned. But I dig both of them regardless. I just think it's so funny that we both like the vibe, but on different sides. Now, we will first start with Walt Disney World. To me, my biggest gripe with Disney design, I'm talking hotels, I'm talking uh, cruise ships, I'm talking attractions. My biggest gripe is that the bathrooms are simply not fun enough. They are not fun enough, okay? Universal's out here having moaning Myrtle, just, just moaning in the bathroom, and Disney's got a whole bunch of nothing happening in their toilets. I mean, these Imagineers can dream up full worlds, but they can't make the poopers exciting. It's blasphemous. I'm sure there's some like weird design ethos to it. Like, oh, people need to decompress and they need to take a break from like their theme surroundings to make the theming really pop. But whatever, I don't care. No, give me a themed bathroom. Give me a fun place to go and sit and take one minute to pee. That's all I want. That's all I want. That's all I want. So that's why my favorite bathroom in Magic Kingdom is inside Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe in Tomorrowland. It was redone a few years ago. I want to say maybe five-ish years ago. So now it feels slightly spacey and modern with some fun silver accents. And every time I've been inside there, it hasn't been overwhelmingly busy. So that's also key to a good park bathroom experience. It has to look cute and it has to not be chaos. And that one kind of kind of does both for me. Over at Epcot, however, my friend and fellow reporter Deanne Revel tipped me off to the bathrooms to the right of American Adventure, and it is the best Disney Parks bathroom, hands down. Hands down! Hands down! There are endless stalls. They are all completely wide open. I feel like the AC is blasting extra hard in there. Take your poopies here, people, because seriously, it is perfect. Trust me on this. Trust Deanne on this. It's the best one. Over at Hollywood Studios, things get a little more complicated. It is chaotic, but I do prefer to pee as close to Muppet Vision 3D as possible. Not a wise choice, depending on time of day, but here I am at Gonzo's Royal Flush, which has a great side, but a terrible vibe inside. But alas, I'm still keeping it at the top because I have to. It's a Muppet toilet. What am I going to do? Pick something else? I mean, the Pizza Rizzo restaurant bathroom is well-themed, but I've only been in there a couple of times when that was used as kind of a meat media reporting center. And I think there's only two stalls in it, which isn't my favorite because then I feel like I have to rush in case anyone's waiting and it stresses me out. So those, I guess, together, any any type of Muppet toilet, that's what I'm in for. Again, both should be more themed. Both should be more themed. And at Animal Kingdom, it may not be a, a great bathroom unto itself, but I am partial to the one by Satuli Canteen in Pandora, the world of Avatar, simply because, not because of the toilets, not because of the sinks, not because they have better toilet paper or something, but only because I once saw, are you ready for this? I once saw Sigourney Weaver walk out of it. Sigourney Weaver from Avatar. She walked out of the bathroom at the media event for the land opening. And I was like, this is a, a pivotal moment in my life. I just saw Sigourney Weaver walk out of a bathroom. Sigourney Weaver, very tall. It was very exciting. And I don't care if the other bathroom is quieter. There's other bathrooms. I saw Sigourney there. It's going to be my favorite. That's what I'm sticking to. Now over at Disneyland Resort, naturally at Disneyland Park, the Alice in Wonderland bathroom oh, is my favorite with its card-themed stall Doors. Now, this bathroom is the pinnacle of what bathrooms should be, or at least start their process with. But generally speaking, beyond that perfect bathroom, it is all about speed with me in California. Because the California parks are basically 85 to 90% filled with 
theme park experts. Everyone there knows what to do. And so you really got to pick a right bathroom because you cannot mess up. I tend to like any bathroom with two paths, like two different corridors of toilets. So the one by the Dole Whip stand at the entrance to Adventureland is always busy, but it's kind of secretly great because you can go either left or right, and then you really won't be caught in a line of people when there are so many empty toilets and no one is walking all the way down to kind of like squat down to see if there's any legs. That that one, I've never had that problem with, even though it's always overwhelming. So for efficiency's sake, I'm going to Adventureland. There are more that I kind of tend to avoid than prefer at Disneyland Resort, which I'm pretty sure any local would agree with me on. But the other one that I like is over in DCA, the ones across from Soren. Now, I did recently break a precious bracelet that my friend Heather Dining in Disney gave me. It has a little heart on it with a little goofy and it snapped in the bathroom stall. Oh, so traumatic. But I still really like those bathrooms, even if I never go in them. I don't know why. I am always using the ones in Hollywood land. Nine times out of 10, I'm over there. Not a great bathroom. Just it's burned in my brain and I end up there first. But I always prefer the Soren ones, even if it doesn't happen all the time for me. Weirdly, I can't even recall the Avengers campus ones, which I'm going to say means they're not themed enough and that needs to be rectified. But anyway, but anyway, I welcome all thoughts on this because I'm sure you'll have some thoughts from coast to coast. I'm almost more curious about resort hotel bathrooms since that was such a big part of last week's episode with Kristen. I would love to know anyone's favorite hotel bathrooms or if that even exists because so many of them are so tragic. I mean, Grand Floridian's public bathroom? Get out of here. But still, I want to know. I want to know. Call the hotline. I want to know. Thanks for calling. Hey, Carly. My name is Holly, and I'm from Central Florida. I'm a huge fan of the podcast, and I have a theory that I've been wanting to share with you that I think that now is a good time to share. Um, since we're a good part of the way into the Walt Disney World 50th anniversary celebration, I feel like now is the time to start manifesting the energies to come the return of Happily Ever After. Um, I have a theory I've been wanting to share with you, and it has to do with my thought that I don't think that the show is actually going to go away. The reason I don't think it's going to go away is because they didn't sell any commemorative merchandise for the show before it was ending. Like, I know it didn't have as long of a run as Wishes or Illuminations did, but with the popularity of Happily Ever After and with how things within the Walt Disney Company were kind of seeming to go financially-wise around that time in September, it just seems like too good of an opportunity for them not to take up by not selling commemorative merchandise. Um so, yeah, that's my theory. I could be completely bonkers and shooting for the moon here, but I wanted to share it with you as another fellow lover of the show. Um, and let's just hope that it will return after the 50th celebration's over. Anyways, thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Now, I don't want to fully channel Stefan from Saturday Night Live, but this call has everything. It has my favorite fireworks show. It has a conspiracy theory. It has a conspiracy theory rooted in monetary goods, monetary values, and merchandise. I love everything happening here. Now, we have to talk about the fact that happily ever after, mm, my brain is a little broken because I will never stop believing that this show will come back. I have heard some things to confirm that. I have heard some things to deny that. I've heard 
different, differing intel, different things that say it could come back, different things that say it could not come back. But what I'll tell you, dear caller, is that none of that intel has discussed merchandise, which is why I find this to be so fascinating. Now, there is a chance that this is maybe, you know, maybe a shipment didn't make it. There were a lot of shipping issues during the pandemic. I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but you all know what I mean. That time of the past year or two or three where shipping was difficult. That might be to blame for this because I believe that was happening right around the 50th at Walt Disney World. But even still, you'd think that they would just like Vista print something up to have some merch that it was glowing away. And yet, and yet we did not. I choose to believe. So I choose to believe that you are correct, that because there was no merchandise, it's like it never actually happened. It's kind of a legal loophole in the contract between Disney fan and the corporate entity that are Disney parks. I just want Happily Ever After to come back so bad that I'm going to ride this wave all the way home. There was no merchandise, therefore it never truly ended, if you think about it. And that means that it'll just be back soon at some point. I'm so glad you're on the same wavelength as me. I want it back. It's the greatest show of all time. I think we all agree for the most part. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. It does come back and we get some welcome back merch instead of some going away merch. Thank you so much for this call. Oh, this call. Thank you all so much for listening. And thank you to Andrew Ortiz from Super Yaki for dropping by the show. You can rate, 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 review, 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 subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts or rate and subscribe. I'll say it the normal way the second time on Spotify. Thank you to everyone who has been reviewing the podcast since we've returned for this season. I am so grateful for it. You know that that kind of anxiety, that like nervousness from when you have people sign your yearbook when you were younger? That's kind of what podcast reviews on Apple Podcasts are like. But your little Lila's love you like a sister or have a good summer. Hags, remember Hags comment can help other future amusies join our club. I don't know what to call listeners. We're going with amusies. So thank you, thank you, thank you to anyone who has written them. And if you have not written a review on Apple Podcasts, we welcome it and we thank you for it. You can reach us 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 747 Churros, our happy little phone line. We welcome your theme park thoughts and takes and anything else you want to share about. We actually got some voice notes texted to us at 747 Churros this past week, which fully worked. It was amazing. So if that's something you prefer, for, go ahead and do that. I would happily listen to them. I got some really good planning calls too. One that came through a voice note that I'm saving for next week. So don't worry if your call wasn't played this week. That doesn't mean it's out forever. I just might be saving it for a future episode that it aligns with. You can find me, Carly Wiesel, on the internet. Too much, too much time on the internet these past few weeks. That little alert on my iPhone telling me how much time I spent on my device is not pretty, and we just ignore it. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Carly Wiesel, and you can join my Facebook group, The Fomaly, at facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. And this Thursday, you can get your hands on some merch. Oh my gosh, I'm scared to even say a date in here, but you know what? We're going with it. It's going to be great. The website's going to work. I believe it. I cannot wait. So stay tuned to CarlyWiesel.com as well as all of my social media for more because I am so excited to finally share this with you and I had to do a special episode on it because it's very exciting and I think you're going to love it. Okay, okay, bye. 
This episode was edited flexibly by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, sweetie, it's mom. I was listening and I kept wondering why do I sound so tired all the time on the recordings because I do them at three in the morning when everybody's asleep. Uh, I just wanted to say I loved Kristen. Her opinions were great. She's so upbeat and funny. It was really great. And she got she got engaged to Disney. How fabulous. What a great memory that was. And we can relate. We all can relate to her about spending a lot of money at Disney. That's for sure. Uh, the Grand Floridian, I have to say, I love the lobby. That's my favorite thing. And I remember taking you and your brother there when you were about three years old and he was about four and a half years old and you just loved it. You were, you were definitely a Disney person after that trip. But I have to say when I stayed there once, I think it was like a couple years ago, I was freezing in the room and there were no slippers. She was right. And there's no robes. So I called housekeeping and they brought up this cardboard like paper type of robe. There's no, there was no terry cloth in sight. And it was so thin and it was an extra, extra, extra large. It scratched. It was so funny, but they did send up a robe when I'm fine request, but I do love the Floridian, I have to say. And as far as the Soren ride, when Christian said she gets dizzy and nauseous, like she has to close her eyes, I do too. And I do that on Soren, and I do it on Red of Two Ways. Like, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but when they go around the turns and stuff, oh, yeah, my eyes are closed. And as far as my favorite restaurant, I'm not copying you. I love, I love, love, love Wine Bar George. It is so great. He is wonderful. He's so sweet. He's so knowledgeable. He's always telling me about wines. And then one night I remember he made a concoction and he brought it to our table to try because he's just so sweet. He does that with everybody. Um, celebrity story of Leonardo DiCaprio with the woman in the bathroom was wonderful. Loved it, loved it. I do want to do a shout out to Rob the caller who said hi to me. That was so sweet. I really, really, really appreciate it. And I'm going to leave you with, you think you're going to go to Japan with your husband? I'm coming with. Whether you like it or not, I really want to come. All right. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye, honey.